Welcome to the Commander-in-Chief Podcast. I'm Yuri Kruman, founder and CEO of Commander-in-Chief Media Group, award-winning chief people officer and keynote speaker, author of five books, Fortune 500 consultant and corporate trainer, and contributor to Fast Company, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Newsweek. Our mission at Commander-in-Chief Media is to help 100 million people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now. Through storytelling, educational media, thought leadership, HR consulting, corporate training, coaching, speaking, and authentic high-quality writing, helping people become their own Commanders-in-Chief. Now, if you're interested in being a guest on the Commander-in-Chief podcast, stick around until the end of the show. We will share with you what we're looking for and how to apply. Thank you very much uh, for agreeing to the interview. Welcome to the Commander-in-Chief Podcast, where we discuss fast growth in business and in life. Um, let's just get your intro in your own words. Sure. So uh, I'm Omel Kailab. I'm uh, one of the founders and the CEO of uh, Innovis Technologies. Started my career in, uh, in the Army. I, I was an engineer in, uh, in the intelligence force in a unit called uh, AT1. Uh, I've been there for seven years. Was uh, one of the best uh, years, <laughs> uh, full of uh, many challenges, and uh, really, I think this is part of what uh, shaped my career later. Uh, to try to to be part of uh, activities that always give me. Uh, I would say inspiration in, in terms of uh, working on things that have impacts and can save lives and really uh, meaningful. You know, it's uh, it, it, there's nothing more fun in waking up in the morning and just be more passionate about you know making uh, to succeed with what you do. <clears throat> so after uh, seven years in in that unit, I went through. Uh, I worked in three startups in Israel. Uh, very interesting, very different than you know, what I've done. It's uh, one of them was Anobit, was later uh, sold to Apple, and uh, then uh, Bitendo, uh, which was developing a Pico projector, a very small video projector, was sold to ST Microelectronics, and yep. then I joined another startup where I, we developed uh, a molecular sensor, which is also very cool technology. And after being in those uh, three startups, and you know, I was I'm anywhere I am, regardless if I'm a founder or not, I'm always uh, I would say I can I always love to say a, a soul player, like someone uh, who you know which is very important for him to you know to drive things forward, and uh, because. I'm, I'm connected to the things that I do. Uh, I give uh, 500,000% of myself to it. And at that point of time, I felt that it's uh, my time to, to do my own uh, startup. And uh, I had a list of 26 ideas. <laughs> 26, interesting number. And uh, Innovis was, I think, number 18, <laughs> which is also an interesting yes, number. Very much. And, and 
you know, I was trying to kind, kind of narrow down, like, what, which of these ideas I would like to pursue, and I, I thought Inuvis was the right one. And, and the reason behind it is because I felt that uh, this is a, a technology that uh, is intellectually interesting for me. I bring a lot of knowledge that uh, can, uh, I think, personal knowledge or let's say unique knowledge that I think that would make me uh, more successful in terms of if you take anyone else and try to do the same idea, uh, I, I, would do, I would do it better. <laughs> and third is that uh, I was really attracted to the idea that people told me that it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, you hear that a lot in in Israel. You're, how, what is this? It's yeah, yeah. I, I I think that's what made me more uh, like uh, understand that this is exactly what I want to do because you know um, when you take something that is so critical uh, and you understand that uh, you have to solve it in order to make something important happen, okay. uh, there 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 is nothing in the world. You know that uh, you know that is impossible, right? It's like if it, those do not match together. And when I started Innovis, I I knew nothing about lidars and, and automotive, which gets us to what <laughs> what it is that you do, because it's not I don't yeah. think obvious from ninety nine percent of yeah li- lidar. Who, who heard that name? And like who knows yeah. what is a lidar? You know, mm-hmm. we heard radars and stuff. Right? Right. I knew nothing about LiDARs, and now I'm, like, developing the best LiDAR in the world, which is uh, part of what I like to do. I like to take things that are, uh, you know, uh, and and, and things that are, I would say, uh, uh, difficult and expensive and and make them uh, more accessible and better. Now, LiDAR is is a light sensor. It's a light radar. In in many ways, it's... uh, it's like a laser scanner mm-hmm. that scans the scene, uh, and when it scans it, it can recreate a 3D uh, picture of the world, only that it's doing that repeatedly, which means that you're creating a 3D video. Yeah. And that's what basically, when I started, I called it like a 3D camera. I didn't call it LiDAR. <laughs> um, because it has so, so much, uh, so high resolution, which... Basically, it looks like a video, only that it's 3D. Yeah. Now, if you remember, uh, in 2012, uh, there was the Kinect, yeah. you know? And yeah. the Kinect was a 3D sensor that was allowing uh, people to move around in, the, in their own uh, living room to do cool stuff. And I remember when I saw the, f- the first video uh, commercial, I was blown away from it. Wow, so like this is... This is like amazing, and like 3D vision is something definitely that needs to go further. Yeah, and I knew that the limitation there were mostly related to short range and 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 sunlight. Like if you would open the window, it would stop working. And I was determined to bring something that would solve this problem. Now I thought about how to solve this problem already in 2012, only that at that time, uh, you know. My my idea was, you know, not something that you can fit in a phone. Now, why why does it matter, right? But in 2012, what everybody were obsessed about was how would you develop technologies that would end up yeah, in a mobile phone, right? Yeah. Like iPhone 3, 
will have your technology. <laughs> and I thought it was too big, right? Regardless of the fact that LIDARs are this big, you know, and this is already a, a huge improvement, I thought it was not good enough. And I, that's why I thought, okay, this is like a gadget. I don't want to do a gadget. Yeah, it's too far ahead of its time, probably. Something like that. Yeah, so I, uh, it was left in the drawer next to other ideas. Uh, and, and, and when I started to revisit some of these ideas, suddenly I realized that the opportunity of using uh, a 3D sensor, even in such a large uh, box, is already very interesting. And actually, I didn't know nothing about automotive. I didn't know nothing about autonomous driving. Mm -hmm. I was actually, I didn't even see that, uh, and it was in, on kind of like January 2016, I wasn't part of this industry to understand how fast it's going to grow. Yeah. And only when I, I first uh, met with my first investor, who actually told me, look, like he, Zohar, who is, was our first investor. He was also, uh, he joined as a founder, Zohar Zisafer, who is a very known figure in Israel. Sure. Uh, he told me, look, the, this is a very cool technology. I, I, like, he already invested in automotive because he invested in Arcus. Cybersecurity. Yeah. He knew the space. He knew very well how fast it's going to grow. Mm -hmm. He told me, "Look, like this is something you definitely need to focus on automotive." I started to explore it, and one day later, <laughs> I <laughs> I told him he's right. And then uh, basically, you know, I I met Zoa one week after I left my job in the molecular sensor company, and one week later, he gave me the first million dollar to start running because he knew that we need to move fast. But he invested in you. It wasn't just your ideas. Yeah, he, he invested. In yeah, I didn't even show him a presentation because I'm not sure if I, if I had one. But uh, yeah, special. That's not that's not by any means universal yeah. for investors. No, it, you're right. I mean, Zohar is uh, the, the best instincts in the world. He, he knew the industry. I think, like, look, he, he invested in me because he... Uh, he knew my background, like my 81 background. He comes from there, used to lead it. And he had the opportunity to talk with many people who know yeah, me. I so I think that uh, people that know me uh, knows that uh, I'm uh, like a bulldozer. Like yeah. I make things happen. So he knew that it's a good bet. And uh, therefore, he, you know, he, he moved forward. And I think once Zohar stepped in, for me, it was a huge, like, it's like an avalanche, right? Like, Zohar Zisafel joins as a founder and, and the chairman as an investor. Uh, obviously, when I started to meet with other investors, it was less difficult. Yes. <laughs> so it was like spinach for Popeye, right? Yeah. I, I remember I told yeah. Zohar I, I was kind of visiting investors and, like, things moved very quickly. And I was like, uh, I remember meeting one investor and I told, I, I called uh, Zohar after the meeting telling him, look, it's a, I think that he's going to invest. And like, I'm so happy. And he told me like, you know, Omer, he, he, he already decided to invest before you, you met him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, so I, I'll take only a few part of the credit. Anyway, I think it was a great uh, start because we raised more money than I expected yeah. uh, because there was an interest that allowed us uh, to, uh, I would say, be more, uh, to explore further, I would say, be more, uh, 
risk, uh, taking more risk yeah, in our in our plans, and okay. move faster, move faster. And I think that uh, look, I, I started with a certain plan on how to ramp up our first uh, prototype by the end of the year. I promise that's what I promised my investors. By the end of the year, we will show our first prototype. Yeah. Yet in parallel, since we did raise more money than we expected, uh, it allowed us to uh, explore uh, to increase the variance, right? Yep. Because if you increase the variance, you can uh, you can uh, jump faster, right? Absolutely. So we had the money that we raised for the the ramp up of the, for the prototype, but we raised additional uh, money, and we decided that. Uh, we kind of like virtually we were going to have we have three uh, coins okay. which we can place on technologies uh, that if they would succeed it will give us a huge step up now it also allowed us to uh, build a very big team yep. in a very short time we re- like we hired about 18 people in like two months and we did like an Ocean Eleven kind of uh, process. It's mostly R and D, I imagine, right? Because you're really just building a product yeah. and trying to get something out there. But part of the part of the fun was that because we started in a very strong way, it allowed us to bring super capable people from the yeah. first day. Yeah. Now, very successful, very uh, uh, I would say good uh, engineers. Like they obviously want to be part of the the founding because yeah. they, they like the idea of uh, being part of the the founding of the company and painting the walls yeah, and yeah, of pe- not, being, not tinkering with small things exactly like really they, they want to be part of the the, the initialization of things yeah. now we did like an ocean eleven where we kind of brought the best uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, mechanical engineer and algorithm engineers and optical engineer like we brought the full stack of the product and on and software and 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 you know uh, VLSI and whatever like we really brought a super uh, strong team. How what was your pitch to them? This is one of the most most interesting things for me. Was it through your network? I don't know, Tel University. One? Yeah, it was our network. In, uh-huh. uh, in uh, probably ninety nine percent of the people uh, is people that we know. Yep. Okay, like uh, the the people I I, I work with and. And it's uh, it would be my dream to have them on board. You know? ah, okay, <laughs> very important formula. Can't can overstate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like people that uh, that uh, I work next next to them, or uh, you know, actually below them or above them. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, like people that I knew that if I will have a startup, I want them to be part of it. Yeah. And we met them in kind of uh, cafes, and and, and like uh, what we told them was that. Uh, we're going to develop a very unique technology that is going to be very meaningful in the in the coming years related to autonomous driving. And we told them that uh, you know about the founding of the company, the, fund, the, found, the funding amount, and how much people are joining. And people were just uh, thrilled to join. You it's know? a snowball effect, right? It's a snowball, of, crazy for snowball effect because once you have that people inside the company, more and more people. They enter the room, they want to be part of it because they feel the energy. Those people are super capable, so they can obviously they make huge progress in a very short time. So you already show uh, an amazing uh, progress that draws in um, customers, that draws in investors, and it's like a a snowball effect, a very positive one. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, 
I think that the fact we have such a large uh, group of people from the first day, which are super, uh, I would say we also very cared about, you know, the personality of people, it creates a DNA, okay? Oh. And uh, a very big core of, of DNA because one of the problems for startups when they start to lean, they create a DNA, a core DNA, but when, um, you know, it starts to grow, you lose it. Dilute it with it's people from other people places. From places. Now, care. if yeah. you start in a, in a significantly sized uh, core of people that, you know, form a certain DNA, it's unbreakable. It's unbreakable. No, no external force in the world can, can change it. And it, it becomes like a magnet because they, everyone who comes in absorbs the DNA and it becomes even stronger. CRISPR doesn't work. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think that was super important. And by the way, I told it to investors. They told that, you know, they invested us in the first days. I told them how meaningful it was that we were able to raise more money. Yep. Then we, uh, we kind of like the lean startup approach could have driven to and how meaningful it was to the success of the company because we we didn't need to, we could explore, we could experiment, we could uh, risk ourselves. But I would say that one of the things that we did well in the first days, and I think that we're you know, very fortunate to have done it, we were, uh, I would say, you know, for one hand, we were naive enough yeah, that's okay. also an important point. Right? We were naive enough to step into a very difficult industry yeah. and a very difficult technology without knowing all the difficulties that we would face. Because possibly I would go to uh, idea number 23 and not yeah, 18 yeah. if I knew all the troubles that I'm going to face. Yeah. Okay, it was now. But knowing that we are a bit naive, uh, I told my investors that and, you know, some some entrepreneurs, when they raise money, they feel very uh, excited about rushing into execution because yeah, yeah. now it's time to execute. The problem with that is that you need to recognize that when you are early in your stage and, you know, your ability to talk with real customers is very limited, you need to uh, assume that you might not know everything. And I told my investors that in the first three to four months, I'm not going to develop anything, nothing. I'm going to learn. I'm yeah. going to learn the industry. I'm going to learn about the difficulties. I want to understand exactly what the market is looking for. And it allowed us now that you have uh, investors, strong investors, they can open doors for you. Mm -hmm. They can uh, allow you to get access to talk with yeah, customers yeah. that beforehand, I mean, who are you? Like yeah, exactly. a young startup that, or nothing, actually, you know? So we were able to talk with uh, customers that suddenly gave us a, a different outlook or perspective of, of what really is the problem. Yeah, exactly. Now, the good news was that, okay, start with the bad news. The bad news was that, you know, the problem that we were thinking that we need to solve was about three orders of magnitude more, more difficult. Because in our perspective was that, you know, when we started in the first days, you know, the, the, the benchmark in the industry was a, a LIDAR that was this big and cost $50,000. And we thought that if we would make it smaller and cheaper, we, and that was like the best in class LIDAR in the, in the, in the space, like the best resolution, the best, we thought we will make it cheaper and, and, and smaller and reliable. That will solve all the problems of the, of the world. 
But what we've learned is that that even this expensive uh, instrument is not good enough, and, and and there is a gap of all about like three orders of magnitude in terms of resolution, range, and frame rate, and like now learning that your uh, product is has a gap of three orders of magnitude a, is somewhat. Uh, <laughs> creating some pressure. <laughs> now, the good news was uh, that we learned it early enough. And we learned it in a stage that we didn't need to throw away um, any effort. And the good news was that we were already established as a very strong team of engineers that not it's not, not now just uh, Omer, like 60% of his time trying to figure out how to do something. Those are super capable engineers, 18 of them, 100% of their time, plus some more because now they are under pressure, yes. and, and which is very meaningful, by the way. The commitment, the commitment you have when you are committed to solve a problem, other than just let's try to think about what startup I want to do, is driving, it's, it's, it's the, the biggest energy in the world. I mean, things you can solve when you're up against the wall is uh, in, like uh, that's like an infinite uh, energy that makes everything different. Now let me let me pause you because I think there's something very important here. You know, um, a lot of listeners are not from Israel; they may not understand kind of the cultural um, conditions here, if you will. Right. So most most people here serve in the army; they're used to a certain chain of command. Right. They kind of almost feel each other out very very quickly. So it's it's a personal rapport because yeah you go and you meet someone in a cafe and this feels right let's go <laughs> right that kind of thing is not by any means universal if you go to Silicon Valley you have people that you know they're coming out of many of the fang companies or Twitter or whatever mm-hmm. they're very talented you know anybody can pay them a huge whatever right so the things that might attract someone in Silicon Valley that hasn't gone through those kind of cultural experiences of serving in an army knowing. The chain of command or or just sort of you know having it's it's almost like it's a very the, the intuition doesn't have to bridge that much mm-hmm. right because you're you're in a place you know why you're here you know that you know things could change on a dime so there's a certain certain something where the bridge is much smaller almost yeah. right if i had to put it i, I think that uh, i think the takeaways for people that got through a very similar uh, path that i did was that and, and that's, by the way, the slogan or I would say the spirit in, in, of my unit, 81, is that talent, passion, and commitment makes the impossible possible. Love it. Yeah. And, I, I to, and, and it is not just kind of like a slogan that we, uh, I would say, it's on the, on the wall. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the experience that people go through uh, in that place is really proves it. Mm-hmm. And, and I can say that we have the same spirit here. There are so many times that we were uh, facing uh, a situation that something, you know, that was considered impossible and, and we found a way to, to solve it. And you, eventually, when you look back and try to understand, like, how you managed to do it, you, you understand eventually it comes from the, you know, the passion of people and the commitment and because nothing else was really uh, missing. Yep. And, uh, and I think that the, the people that... Uh, in, in Israel and uh, in, in my unit, the, the, really the, the level of difficulty and of things that they had to do is, was very high, but because they understood how important it was, 
they were engaged to, to solve it. And I think that uh, this is a part of what people are looking for. People that uh, you know come from my unit, it's you, you, it's a it's a bit addictive, you know, because you know after being in such a, an environment for many years and suddenly going out to work in a in a company that I don't know moves I, as we say like move one bit from one place to another, it it misses a big. In, in kind of in your in your own kind of uh, desire to do things that are meaningful, and I think the, our mission uh, is such that people feel very uh, you know uh, excited about. And by the way, I can tell you that uh, an interesting Innovis uh, uh, is now five years old. Yeah. Now people work here very hard. It's very exhaustive at some points. We had a few people that uh, after three years or four years decided to, that it's like they are wear out, like they yeah. can't, yeah. and decided to leave. We, we have, in the last uh, six months, we had about 10, 10 people coming back to the company. Uh, there were more people that wanted, but not all of them. You know, eventually we, we brought in, but the fact that people missed the company you know, they miss the the energy. They miss the, the activity. They miss they miss the challenge. And maybe that DNA. Maybe that's what they miss. They miss the DNA. For yeah. me, as the, as the CEO, that works uh, the most, really, because this, you know, it's a for because I know that uh, that that level of passion and and commitment to to what we do is is what is needed to make the impossible possible yeah. and. I'm always looking to push the boundaries and, and try to do things that are uh, important. You know, I, I want to solve big problems. And, and therefore, when I see that this is still maintained, that passion of people is uh, the most important thing in the world. Nothing else matters. This is a great way of looking at this. So um, I'm kind of you know, thinking this out as we're, as we're talking. So um, one way to look at building a startup, um, again, very relevant in this context in Israel, is you know, you're the unit commander. When you're the founder or you're one of the co-founders, right? You're, you're, you have a unit. And the unit of people is not just soldiers. They're, they're people that you care about because you're going and doing you know, very dangerous life or death kinds of things all the time, whether it's through technology or combat or whatever. Have you. So one way to look at running a company, and again, you can take this to logical extremes as well, but you know that those people are with you for their length of service, maybe longer, maybe they want a professional career in the army, which is fine, or within your company as well. Some people want to become professional managers, but largely you're not looking at them as static. They're moving up. They want to you know, become a commander also. They want to get some kind of, you know, they want to do an officer course or something, right? So you have to sponsor them. You have to pull them up with you. In the beginning, it's just by mission, eventually it's also by, yeah, you need some kind of validation and people need to move forward in their lives. They need to build families and so on. The way I, I try to manage the company is by trying to, uh, to, to estimate how would Omer, as a person working at the company, would love to stay in Innovis. In, in because I was working in different startups and I was always, um, I would say, um, I would say again, a soul player, someone who cares, and, and someone who can really uh, bring companies to you know, 
yeah, new areas. And, and I know that for me, as a, someone who is a creative and, and like can make meaningful things, it was very important that I would feel that I'm growing, growing yeah. in the company. That's the key. And part of what was important for me always was to understand to understand the, the, the big picture and to learn, to see, to be exposed. I was not looking anywhere to, to be like to solve a, a small problem. It was for me always important to understand the big picture and feel part of the company. And to create that, I think that my, part of my responsibility as the, as the CEO, and I would say it's kind of like the unwritten uh, contract between me and people that work at Innovis is that they join the startup. And, and as such, uh, when, when someone decides to join a startup, part of what he's looking for is not only to do something interesting, I think that it's very important for them from a point of view is that they want to understand the big picture. They, 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 want, they don't want barriers. They want to see, that need, they want to be exposed for more than they are doing on a day-to-day. And my job as, as, as a CEO to serve that need is to reflect and to be uh, transparent and to let people learn about uh, many things. And, and this is why, for example, in, in the company meetings, we talk about the business activ- activities, funding activities, R&D activities. I, you know, for me, uh, my, part of my job is to let people feel that uh, they know everything. And this is the way that I, I think that I'm serving their, what they were looking for when they joined a startup. Otherwise, they would go to a big company and, and and do something interesting somewhere else, but in a corner. <laughs> but I think that we are expecting that in such a company uh, they would have access to much more, and this is part of my role as the comp- the CEO to serve that uh, purpose. And and this is why I think that uh, you know this is part of what I'm trying to do. And and therefore, I I'm not a commander in in the sense. And yeah. by the way, in in the unit I come from. I, we, we didn't wear uniform. Okay, it, it's it's a uh, I it's it's funny to say, but you know, uh, for uh, someone who been seven years in the army, I hardly know the you know the ranks. <laughs> I hardly know the order of the ranks because I was a I was a captain actually. I'm trying to remember, but. But because no one wore uniform, there was no real uh, essence of the of the you, of the. It didn't feel like you're really in the army. You're, you're not. Yeah, stuff. because yeah. And, and by the way, I asked the, the person, like the lead, one, the captain, the commander, right. asked him why he thinks this is uh, the way that why, why this is the way it works, and he said that eventually, what we do uh, is related to professional. Uh, you know, it needs to work well, and and knowledge is not spread by the the rank or age. And when you're sitting in a room, uh, it's very important to allow fe- to allow people to feel comfortable uh, to say their opinion, even if you're like the youngest person in the room. Even if you're above above your rank, you're speaking about yeah, your rank. definitely. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. There is an obligation to dissent. Yes. Obligation to dissent is is a call. Uh, I would say. Uh, 
as a value, yeah. you know, that uh, we, by the way, that it's part of our values. Uh, obligation for the country's values. Everyone's a president. Exactly. Right? Everybody's the president. <laughs> And, and I think that this is, this is something that I, I definitely want, I wanted to have in my company in the sense that everyone, I'm approachable, yeah. people can come, uh, you know, and, uh, and then talk on, on anything. And, I, I, and by the way, I, I do also love to bring people from the different areas in the company to sometimes bring them to areas that they are, it's not on their day-to-day. Even HR. Even HR. No, I mean, I'm talking about okay. yeah. bringing people from the reality to be in the, in the in the thinking teams of marketing or product and i i think that people are in, in such a company this is kind of like what makes them um feel that they learn all the time and as you said i think uh, earlier eventually people everyone has its own vector right now if if it's like a magnet if if the vectors are not aligned in the same direction the, the company cannot grow and while I need to acknowledge that, uh, you know, not everything that uh, we might decide is something that people uh, would make the same decision. At least, I think that part of uh, what we are trying to do is to to reflect uh, reasons behind it. Because, it, yeah. it you know, in, in Optimum, you want everybody to be on the same, you want everyone to be on the same page, the same directions, so, so there won't be any kind of, uh, you know... Uh, baggage forming in the background. Exactly. So yeah. transparency is key, mm-hmm. especially in a company like Innovis where the technology is super complex. I, I always say that you know that we develop different components in, yeah. in the product. Each one is like cutting edge. It's like very, very complex. And there is a lot of coupling between the different technologies. Like you change something here, you have to change something here. It's like it's really like to, to develop you know, a LiDAR that is this small rather than, you know, this big, obviously everything is like a spaghetti. You need to do something, it's like a spaghetti technology. So I always say that if people would not talk with each other, then the components will not work, like not talk with each other. They will yeah, not work. Exactly. So you, you need always to kind of, uh, uh, to make uh, the, the data to flow within the, the organization. People need to be able to, um, you know, to, it, it comes into the mind when, when you're when now we're designing new offices. We are we are kind of thinking about the way people walk from their desk to the to the kitchen and where we want them to go through. Mm. You know, it's because and by the way, the, the the previous startup I was part of, the CEO for some reason was not uh, willing to buy a coffee machine. <laughs> Companies cooked. <laughs> Strange. I mean. The coffee machine is the most important place in the company. <laughs> this is where people meet. It's no joke. It really is. It is. Yeah. And seriously, I, I, I probably have something with uh, the coffee machines because for me, coffee machine is like the most, almost one of the most important uh, assets the company should have because it brings people to meet and to talk and to ask questions. And... This is so far away from where I see things, you know. And like, look, I, I've been in, in the office for seven years, and those three startups, and for sure, I brought many lessons learned I had from all of those places. And I'm happy, I'm happy that I started my own company in a later stage and not kind of like immediately after I left the army, because I think that 
managing a company like Innovis is, is complex because it's a very complex technology, it's a very complex industry, it's a very complex, uh, I would say, financially raising $700 million yes. takes some effort. And, and you know, for a, a CEO of such company to, to be uh, valuable to my, my team, the CFO, the operations, the HR, yet you obviously you need to have a sufficient bandwidth uh, to make sure the R&D works well and the, the production line works well and the business development and the HR. If you don't come with sufficient um, experience in kind of like kind of, um, you know, seeing things through the work of others and it will become impossible. And and you need to have that otherwise, unless you were like, you wear out and you kind of like trying to catch up on things and, 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 and not really adding value. So I think that, you know, from my perspective, I see entrepreneurs trying to, I, and I'm not saying that it's impossible. Of course, it's it's possible to start in a very early stage and there are beautiful success stories. But I I think that I'm, I'm happy that I started Innovis, um, you know, in a stage where I felt that I was a bit more uh, cooked. Or, you know, it's like more... Uh, yeah, more well baked. Yeah, baked, baked, not cooked. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. I, I think that you know, I, I meet entrepreneurs from like uh, almost uh, every week. I, f- I meet a few entrepreneurs because I love you know uh, sharing my story and people ask me how like how uh, trying to understand how to raise the first the money and what they should do and what their first are. And I, I I suppose that I can you know be helpful and I do it for fun because I I enjoy meeting. Uh, you know, people and and learn and, and help them, and uh, and again, as as we discussed uh, earlier, eventually um, it's karma. You know, yeah. it's like you yeah, you okay. it's it's like you you help someone and uh, the world would smile uh, <laughs> exactly. uh, back to you at some point, and I and I think this is part of what uh, I, I I see myself as as a, as you say a commander. In my ability to magnify the, the capabilities of others, and uh, this is what I'm trying to do. Like, like there's that uh, Olympic game that you kind of clean the yeah the, the sh- whatever shuffle yeah the, the, on the on the on, on the snow that you yeah. need to kind of like just make sure that things uh, that you you don't interfere the you know yeah, the, the, it's kind of like an Ayn Rand kind of uh, I think uh, story where you. Just make sure that those that are uh, the smart people are, you know, they, they have the, they have what they need to do. What they exactly. Now, there's there's something. Um, so just kind of putting this in, in in a smaller package. Something that you said I think is incredibly powerful. Um, you know, so whether you're what you call commander, CEO. I mean, my my premise is commander in chief, right? Of of yourself, maybe you have a unit, you have a company. A movement, whatever have you, right? But you're you have to see yourself as the commander in chief. And for you, whether you're you know clearing clearing the road, you're clearing the road for others, right? So they can go and do their life's best work with you. Uh, but one one very interesting idea, which I, I frankly haven't heard maybe ever from a CEO, pretty much from anybody. Right? Mm-hmm. I think about this a lot from a theoretical perspective, but in 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 the practical context where you're actually running a company it's a, it's a public company it's, it's you know this is complex stuff <laughs> not just a technology that <laughs> yeah you know you could say <laughs> you could say that absolutely um but you're you're approaching things from that perspective look if i were working for myself would i actually you know 
be enjoying the experience? Would I be growing? Would I be learning? Mm-hmm. So the the challenge comes, you know, this idea of Dunbar's number, hit 150 people. And, you know, it's much, much harder beyond that to check in with each other. Like, you know, are you... Are you having a good time? You know, are you learning? Are you growing? Right. So maybe, you know, you get HR involved and maybe they send some pulse surveys or maybe you do performance management. You can have a, a two-way conversation. But it, it, it's certainly, it's it's very, very difficult, you know, as you're working with complex technology, you're raising money, you're having meetings with investors. I mean, it's 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 a huge... Uh, it's it's very demanding. It's very demanding. Very Look, I think that part of uh, the way I try to, to maintain that kind of relationship with people is that I, I do try to uh, manage my uh, time in a way that I live enough hours of the day, which I just walk around in the office. And so I, I think that I always say that, <clears throat> you know, meetings could be very uh, addictive. Because it's very easy. You come at the beginning of the day, your whole day is packed with meetings. You know what you're going to do. You don't need to do, to do anything. Just go to that room and yep, yep. hear someone talk. And and that is like the, the easy way uh, to do things because you, it's like uh, you're, you're mostly kind of driven by others. And I yep. think I say, I always say that meetings are uh, topics that are already under, uh, you know, uh, under the scope, you know. Yeah. This is already taken care of, right? Like someone knows there is a problem or there is something to do and he sets a meeting. The problem is where there is a blind spot, right? The problem is what are the things that might actually should have been in the higher priority, but nobody is, is has the time to go find them because he's always in the meeting rooms. <laughs> this, is, this is great. I love this. This is very unique. I mean, I, I wish more... Uh, more commanders or CEOs would really think about it this way. For me, it's the same idea, right? The reason I wrote about four conversations is because for me, conversation is currency, right? I can concentrate whatever I need to in a short conversation to make sure whatever value I need to get across is across and I get back the information. My hobby, my hobby, like the the, the, the time where I feel that I bring value, <laughs> you know, to the team is when I find out something ah. that nobody uh, knew. Okay, because I travel, like I, I walk by the office and I, I talk with people. I, I'm kind of like interested to hear like what's on their mind. Like, what, what do you think? What what are the issues that you're kind of worried about? And and I'm like the, that bee that goes from these different flowers. And, and like like someone tells me, no, I'm stuck because of something. And I, I just tell him, okay, so let's let's go together and let's yeah. talk with the, that guy that you're waiting and, and let's hear what things are. And you... That's priceless because you actually learn that you could, you actually saved like a week for someone, you know? This is where exactly I feel that I brought, uh, you know, value. <laughs> and you talk about living by your mission. Actually, I love this. You're almost like your own company's LIDAR, if you think about it. <laughs> Interesting. Right? Because, look, if you, you map something, oh, you have, a, you know, you have ways. Okay. But everything changes from minute to minute, second to second. Yes. So you, you have to go and remap it. All the time. All the time, it's like uh, the, the, there are so many many moving parts that you need to refresh the the, the status on a, on a daily basis. So this is where I, I it's fun for me because I also enjoy like solving some problems sometimes. Like I, I love challenge. I never go to sleep before I try to think how to solve something, yeah. which is fun. Um, and by the way, look, I, although like my relationship with people is is very very important, not although. My relationship with people is very important. 
Yet my, my uh, responsibility also is to challenge. Yeah. Okay. If you are, if you, if your R and D uh, is driving uh, your product, uh, you will never uh, be able to meet the requirements of the of the market. Yeah. And part of my secret sauce, I would say, is that you know I did spend a lot of time in R and D roles, sufficient in order to know where. Uh, yeah, where are the blind spots or where things could be, you know, challenged. And I think this is, is super important because, look, you could, and I've seen this as well, where a certain uh, commander or CEO, you know, is, is completely disconnected from the technology, is, is like, go there, and like the R&D looks at him and says, you're mad. It's like, that will not work. And he says, I don't care, do it. And he meets reality like from time to time, and it's like always like a, I, I, I remember me saying that it's like some connecting someone to uh, to ground, like from uh, from uh, like uh, to electricity to ground, yeah. it blows up because he's floating somewhere in the universe, believing something, and then the R and D uh, reminds him that it's not what he's telling the market, and he, he needs to. Uh, and it was. <coughs> It was very funny to see how quickly he goes up and disconnected. <laughs> so it's very important for the CEO uh, to understand, uh, you know, the, the the ground and understand where it. But it's super important that he knows that, you know, where things could go, because otherwise, if you don't challenge uh, the R and D, you know, engineers, I would say most engineers, um, they. Uh, they have, uh, I would say, they dislike uh, uncertainty. Oh, yeah. Right? My they, wife is an engineer. She okay. does not like uncertainty. Okay. Uncertainty is, is uh, um, uh, it's not a good feeling. Yes. For people who design the system, they want to, to clear out all uncertainties and in yeah. order to, they don't want to, they don't want to not meet their targets. So yeah. they obviously dislike this uh, uncertainties. But sometimes uh, uncertainty serves your uh, needs because you can't, if you only rely on very certain ground, you will not be able to innovate. That's not business. It doesn't work a startup cannot be uh, working in, in, in high certainty. That's like that, That's kind of like the role. Like you need to be a, a speedboat that uh, takes risk and maneuver fast enough to avoid you know crashes. Right? You need to to be flexible enough. You need to take risks, but risk is like it's not enough. Like you need to manage those risks. Yeah. So managing those risks is always like revisiting those risks, understanding how far you are from that wall. Understand if you need to move around it, and that's 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 the role of startup because they are agile enough and not bureaucratic uh, that changes could be made easily. So, you know, the challenge is is being that speedboat as you grow all the time. Now, I think that uh, I'm trying to lead the company uh, in in a way that we can still take risks and take uh, an aim high. Okay, aim very high now. Inovis One was a product that, you know, when we found out that we have three orders of magnitude gap, uh, we had to go through a, a, a design change that required us to go through a, a certain, uh, I would say, development process that took time. Now, it, took, it also uh, required us to take risks on the development. 
you, there is always a trade of time to market uh, with something that might not be sufficient yeah. or try to develop uh, uh, something that meets the requirements but might take longer and might you know you might actually never be able to solve it now for me you know five years back I knew that I cannot find just the, the like try to do uh, something that eventually will not meet the requirements because I will not really solve anything right because if if I bring something that is just you know uh, uh, you know 100 times better not 1000 times better it's nice but it doesn't solve something meaningful I need to get where the market needs yes. otherwise autonomous drive will not happen accidents etc yes. and I knew that this team here is so capable that if I would direct them to something that uh, eventually uh, not solving the problem, no one else will be able to do it. Like that was my kind of like uh, my assumption. If these guys will not be able to solve the real problem, nobody will. So it's on us. And I prefer to try and fail than uh, do something that doesn't uh, add value. Yeah. So we took a very big risk. <clears throat> now we've been climbing this uh, hill for you know five years, and it's it's great to see that you know what we uh, had in our vision, three <laughs> uh, D vision, <clears throat> uh, you know, mature to a product that we can sell uh, customers, and we, it's like there is nothing more rewarding uh, than getting the reaction of uh, customers that gives you the gratitude. For the effort that you did, delight. Delight is a huge deal. Exactly. Yeah. Now, my job was to okay, we're we're here, and but we like we can rest for two minutes, <laughs> and then we need to find the next really the next hill. And now we're coming with a new product, Innovis Two, which is going to be like thirty or more times better than the first product, and seventy percent cost reduced. It's like obviously it's a very meaningful uh, jump. Now, yeah. now the question is how you how do you manage your company to achieve so meaningful steps? Because every year we manage to improve the performance by a factor of twenty or thirty. Otherwise, we can reach the one thousand, yeah. and then now another thirty. How do you manage a company to uh, bring uh, thirty times improvement every year? It's, it's difficult, right? Because the, the, the Moore's law talks about a factor of two every year and a half. So getting 30 every year is difficult. So how do you do it? <clears throat> the idea is that uh, there is the, the 10x law. What is the 10x law? Is that 10% of your resources are, uh, are connected to an activity that provides you a 10x improvement. And this is a, a, a big uh, part of our uh, culture because the trick is you you ask your engineers to have a plan for uh, that is can meet by the end of the year to meet a certain milestone. Now you also tell them that the ten percent of their time they need to uh, work on something that will make it ten times better. Now the trick is that. They know that they are not committed to it. I mean, you're, you're not going to judge them whether it's 10x or 2x or 5x, but and it's not all of their time. So they still need to meet their plans as the, the 90%. You have to meet your plans. Now, obviously, engineers, are, uh, they love uh, 
the, the, the ability to work on something that gives them a lot of hope because this is really cool if it happens, right? 10x time. It's like, it's not 10%, it's 10 times better. Now, when you ask someone to have that kind of uh, target, the secret is that obviously he will not work on it 10%. He will work on it 50% of his time yeah, yeah. because it's more interesting. Yeah. But he knows that he shouldn't miss <laughs> what he promised. Yeah, so you get uh, from the different teams those 10x projects, you know, add up. This is like two times better eventually, five times better, four times better. Yeah. And while everybody understands that, you know, they have those side projects that gives them, uh, you know, the innovation point of view, point of, uh, uh, I would say, you know, part of their work. Yeah. It uh, makes them also happy because they learn something new, they experiment, they try, they might fail. Failing is part of the process. Exactly. So yeah. I think this is like the 10x is something that, you know, every team leader needs to ask himself. What is my 10x? Like, and part of identifying the 10x starts from understanding what is your bottleneck. What in, what in my process uh, is making me uh, slower or what is the biggest pain point Understanding that also starts to, you know, in, in the back of your mind, you already started to solve it. And having that discussion of 10x is, is important in the, in the, in, in the company uh, ability to innovate yeah. all the time. Google used to do this any much better than they do now, but set some time aside to work on right, something that's been Right, right, right. They, like, tell them, go, go and meet someone for dinner. Uh, and, and, and like uh, get, get inspired by like yeah. hear something different what they do. So it's, it's that yeah. scale. It's impossible. I think. Yeah. So it's uh, it's part of uh, parts of our cultures to continue to to innovate, and it's and it's fine. I think that's part of why people also enjoy. Like uh, they, they feel that they are continuously, you know, growing and learning, which is important. It's beautiful. Learned so much just just by talking to you. Great conversation. Just to wrap up, I want to be respectful. We've already gone over. Um, as as if it's the podcast, we talk about four conversations. I mentioned to you earlier. I would love to hear from you. You know, whatever you want to share, something that's probably part of your daily routine, or how you manage, or how you deal with people. You know, how how you look at those four conversations. One with the body. One with uh, you know cognitive biases and sort of your your stack, your mental models, and then dealing with other people and or God of the universe. You know, if, if you can share with us maybe one or two things or if not, that's great too. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I probably work like 300% of my time and I, I try to live enough time for, uh, for other stuff as well. Um, I think that the, uh, Part of my uh, new aspiration is to be more involved uh, on the social, uh, so to have more more social responsibility. Okay, uh, one of the things that I think that I'm fortunate to have is that I have the capability to, as a company, to to make an effect. You know, and I think that. Uh, it's, I see it as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, I'm fortunate to do it because I have the tools to do it. And there, therefore, I, I have to use it. I, it for me, yeah. it's like part of, part of my uh, 
I would say it's like, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, as a company, we can, we hire people from different areas in, in Israel. It's, uh, it's like bringing, uh, social, like socially to try to bring more people to the table. You know, it's like, uh, bringing, uh, Orthodox and, and Arabs and even Palestines, you know, and yeah. I think that bringing people to, to work together, uh, is a, is a good way to create discussions. And I think that people, when they talk with each other, they, and it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, we all are talking about autonomous driving the same way, <laughs> you know. Now, on top of it, I think that uh, part of the, I would say, a new thing that we, tried, we started to do is to bring uh, students, like young students, 10, year, 10 graders, 9 graders, um, we did. Uh, we uh, we sent out a note through a newspaper, uh, calling out high schools in Israel to bring uh, nine graders or nine, uh, ten graders to come visit in office. In the purpose of exposing them uh, to the high tech, and where does that mathematics physics goes? You know, I think that uh, seeing in, in life. Uh, the environment and, and the cars and the sensors and talking about the, the challenges that we face on a day-to-day and show, you know, that this can actually turn out to something that, you know, maybe like 10 years from today, I want to work in such a place is something that can drive them to decide on a certain path in their life. And yeah. And we do it on the ninth grade or tenth grade because that's kind of like when they make a decision on their, yeah. uh, on kind of like what are the subjects they want to learn: physics, mathematics, etc. And this is a unique opportunity for me. I would say I'm saying for me because I enjoy it. Okay, like every year, every week, and like we, we did that, and like over 100 uh, high schools, uh, you know, wow. called us. Good. Now 100, like. High schools, not classes. Yes. Now, I thought that I would do like a session once in like a few weeks. Now, with 100 high schools, it means for that two I, years. I, 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 yeah, and, and like every year we need to repeat yeah, it because yeah. there are new uh, ninth graders. Right. So it's uh, so now it's like at least once a week and sometimes more. And it's uh, you can say it's like it takes um, taking a lot of uh, capacity and resources, but I'm I'm. I, I feel this is so important and I see it, I, I get the feedback from those students after they visit here and I acknowledge how much power I have yeah. in this uh, activity yeah. that uh, it's really amazing. It's uh, it's something that, uh, you know, and, and people in the company appreciate it. They want to take part in it. They, they feel... Um, they feel happy, you know. They feel that uh, this is important, and they. I think it is. Uh, although you could say it's uh, some. And, and, and by the way, I. I really encourage. I really encourage all entrepreneurs to take part in this. I, I see the thirst coming from those high schools, yep. and they they kind of like they, they're really asking to to be here. Obviously, there is a, a, like there is a void that needs to be filled, and I think the entrepreneurs should definitely use their capabilities to do it. And I think it will, it's a really win-win situation. It's, it's, it's one of my best hours of the week to do this. It's, I, I really uh, uh, encourage everyone to take part in this. It's shaping uh, 
shaping the, the future. That's amazing. I, I, I love this idea. It makes me think of, you know, um, in school, everybody has, you know, my favorite teacher back in high school or middle school. You know, like for me, it was uh, my seventh grade teacher who taught me Greek and Latin. And, mm-hmm. and what I've learned from Greek and Latin, even if I'm completely <laughs> clueless about something, I can always break it down by the roots. And it's been foundational for my knowledge. And I had a thing got a chance about four years ago. One of my best friends was getting married back in Kentucky where I grew up. And I went to meet all my old teachers. And I don't know. I gave them a copy of my book. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a, it's not about the book. It's just going back and, and telling that person, you know what? Thank you. Just thank you. You've had a huge impact on my life. Right? So what you're doing is exactly that, but at a massive scale. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a pretty incredible thing. Definitely have to make sure that entrepreneurs hear that message. I think it's not done. I think it's, it's, it's really beneficial. It's a, it's a win-win for everyone. Amazing. Omir, thank you so much. I've, I've, I've learned a tremendous deal. I know if our listeners have follow Omer, follow Inubis, something very, very special is happening here. The technology is beyond question, but on the human on the human side of things, there's something very, very fascinating that you're doing here, and I really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to Commander-in-Chief Podcast. To apply to be a guest on the show, Head on over to CICmediagroup.com backslash guest. CIC is in Commander-in-Chief. So that's CICmediagroup.com backslash guest. These guys, help us spread the word about the podcast and our mission on social media. We're cooking up something truly special over here, and we really need your help to spread the message. The reviews, especially, are huge for helping us grow and get the golden nuggets of wisdom from our world-class guests out into the world. Go on ahead, give us a review or rating on whichever platform you use to listen. Our mission at Commander Chief Media is to help 100 million people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now through storytelling, education, media, thought leadership, consulting, corporate training, coaching, speaking, and authentic high-quality writing, helping people to become their own Commanders-in-Chief. And before you go, please make sure to hit that subscribe button for us here at the Commander-in-Chief Podcast so that you can be the first to know when new episodes drop. Let's not be strangers, friend, okay? Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you hang out. And, of course, if you want to learn more about our work and impact or just access some great content, plenty of that. Head on over to CICmediagroup.com. That's uh, CIC as in Commander-in-Chief, mediagroup.com. Once more, this is Yuri Kruman, and thanks for listening.